0: On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, it is the brightest conversation in Hamilton podcasting. Jamie West joins us. We're going to be talking about Hamilton's airport. We're going to be talking about working for a living. We're going to talk about cursive writing. We're going to talk about whether you should wear a mask when you're doing it. Then we're going to talk about whether or not buffalo boneless wings are in fact chicken wings. Yes, we are diving deep into the heart of intellect and hard-hitting topics on this edition of the show. Enjoy.
1: Today on the Scott Radley Show
0: on 900 CHML. Time for the brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio. That's what we call it on Fridays. We generally attempt to live up to that moniker. And that music you were just hearing is the theme song, the life song. Everywhere he goes, it's like when the president walks into a room and you hear, bum, bum, ba bum, ba ba Th- This is what you hear when Jamie West host of What Were You Thinking? Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. on 900 CHML, executive producer of this show, broadcasting legend in these parts. Every room he walks into bands strike up Wild Wild West because why wouldn't they? Welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Um, You know, what were you thinking? I have to ask you this. What were you thinking, booking me on to a segment of your weekly program, that you call the brightest conversation. Like, what were you thinking? Really?
0: It's a long weekend. I, I slipped a bit. I, you know, it was, it was like, who can I get in on a long weekend? Jamie, no, that's not why. I've wanted to have you on here for a long time. It's been months. And, you know, summer is, you know, it's tough. Family and busyness. And, I mean, nobody's doing anything, but everyone's busy. I get it. It's uh, it's amazing. I want to ask you this, though, to start, though, today. Are, are you a guy who is a stickler for language, or, or do you not care do words really matter to you or are you like you know what as long as you kind of express yourself and I can figure it out i'm fine
2: i'm not I'm not a stickler i I really am not there's no way that I could claim that if anybody's read anything that i've I've, I've ever written or listened to my broadcast they'll know <laughs> that that i am i am not a stickler uh, for words uh a, at all but i but I know pe- lots of people that are and I have to tell you this. As a non-stickler, I'm very grateful for sticklers. I find them to be a great resource. I like the remedial lessons that I learned from people that are sticklers. I think it's great.
0: I see, I, I am one of those grammar nerds. I grammar I to me, grammar to me is like a picture. When you walk in a room and you go into someone's living room and the painting is slightly tilted, it's just barely off, but it drives you insane because it's not quite straight. That to me is what happens when you spell the wrong word of there or, you know, something along those lines or which. Um, Anyway, the reason I bring this up, there's a guy in Nebraska. Now, I don't know what's going on in the Lincoln, Nebraska City Hall, that they have time to deal with this stuff. Nonetheless, this guy has come to Nebraska City Council with a giant delegation. I mean, him being a giant, but I mean, a long, well thought out delegation against Buffalo Wild Wings. He is furious with Buffalo Wild Wings and wants Nebraska's city council to do something about it because they sell something they advertise as boneless wings. And mm-hmm. he is insistent that there is no, these were never wings to begin with, and they are not boneless wings. They are Buffalo style chicken tenders. They might be saucy nugs. They could be other things. But you cannot, you cannot. <laughs> Call these boneless wings, and we need a law that would crack down on this. This guy's got to get a life
2: quickly. He's <laughs> obviously suffering from uh, from COVID Cajun. This dude, this guy has really got to give himself a shake. Um, that's what it's down to. Like, I'm with you on the whole thing about uh, you know the correct spelling of there, uh you know in, in the right context i'm i'm right there with the the a number of those uh, types of things but but this is uh, you know does this guy is he for real this is marketing
0: sure well here's what he says jamie here's his chicken explanation fingers. for it. Actual,
2: there's no such thing as a chicken finger
0: well that's Sorry. you know that's there's no such thing as a chicken ball either
2: <laughs> well <laughs> <laughs> not, that ever, here's, not that i've ever seen <laughs> here's
0: here's his explanation for his his campaign in a sentence okay. this is a quote we have been casually ignoring a problem that has gotten so out of hand that our children are throwing around names and words without even understanding their true meaning so he's oh, he's basically taking the buffalo wild wing boneless chicken as the the last straw and saying, we have done so much damage to the language with social media, with not spelling words out. And, you know, you, instead of saying you are, we write you, letter U, letter R, things like this, that we, we've, we've, uh, we've destroyed the language so badly we have to take a stand somewhere and we may as well do it with boneless wings.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, I think that uh, the guy's crazy and I don't think it's, I, I don't, in all seriousness, um... In all seriousness, it's not even remotely a serious concern. Um, if you, if you teach people, <laughs> uh, if you feel that strongly about it, then have at it, buddy. Like, go around and tell everybody that those boneless wings really aren't wings and, and make your case to each individual person. But no one cares. So, you know, have at it if you want, but, but don't be, uh, don't be doing uh d- don't be beating the drum too loud because nobody's listening anyway
0: let's uh, we got to go to a commercial break we're going to go out with him the guy's name is uh his last name is christensen where's his first name andrew christensen andrew christensen here we'll send you to a commercial break here's andrew christensen explaining his campaign against the boneless wing here we go we'll come back in a sec i go into nice family restaurants and i see people throwing this name around and pretending as though everything is just
2: fine I'm talking about boneless chicken wings. I propose that we, as a city, remove the. Excuse me, I'm trying to. Yeah. Excuse me. Sure. Come on.
0: I propose that we, as a city, remove the name "boneless wings" from our menus and from our hearts. These are our reasons why. Number one, nothing about boneless chicken wings actually come from the wing of a chicken. We would be disgusted
1: if a butcher was mislabeling their cuts of meats, but then we go around and pretending as though the breast of the chicken is its wing? You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
0: That's where meat comes from. It grows on bones. We need to teach them that the wing of a chicken is from a chicken, okay. and it's delicious. Enough. enough. We've been listening to that Anders Kristensen enough about the boneless wings. Okay, he's been going through the whole commercial break. That's, uh, that's enough on that one. Jamie West joins us here on the Brightest Conversation at Hamilton Radio. I, I'm—I can't say I promise. I mean, you never know what happens in live radio, but I'm reasonably sure that will be the last discussion of boneless wings today, Jamie. I think.
2: Well, I'm—I I, personally, I'm okay with that. I'm, um, but I am—but <laughs> but, but you have wet my appetite for a, for a boneless wing. By the way, if I may, since you brought up the whole topic, um, if I'm voting on the boneless wing versus the traditional wing with the bone in it, I will take the traditional wing every time. hundred percent. And, and unlike, unlike most people that I've uh, surveyed unscientifically, I like the drum part of the wing better than the flat, but everybody tells me they like the flat part.
0: No, no, you're with me. I'm with you. The drum Are is you? the better part. Yeah, and, and my, my belief on this one, Jamie, is that the boneless wing is merely a sauce delivery system. <laughs> it's, it's it's gotten it's just a chicken nugget until you put the sauce on it like uh, honestly i could go out and buy a pack of buffalo nerd buffalo of chicken nuggets for just a few bucks the yeah. same nuggets you go to buffalo Wild Wings. i'm paying all that just for their delicious sauce so anyway we move along enough about boneless wings and wings everyone is going to be leaving the show to go get food um oh,
2: i can hold it i gotta i gotta see one thing here because okay. i can't say it when we're off here um For for whatever reason, I can hear all the clips that your operator is playing in the background, and it's drowning you out. So you need to kill that that audio so that you and I can talk.
0: It is being fixed as we speak. There we go. Excellent. I hope that is better. Um, I can hear you clearly. Okay, excellent. So this weekend is Labor Day. We all know that. Monday is Labor Day. Um, Generally, a different kind of Labor Day than every year than what we're going to have this year. We usually be talking about football and Labor Day parades. I don't think there's a parade this year. I don't know. But anyway, very interesting piece that I was reading yesterday, I think it was, or today, about the idea of Labor Day. We are heading into what has been promised now by the government, the federal government, as being big, big changes to how this country is run with spending. When the throne speech comes in October vast changes, including changes to EI that -hmm. some people are saying is essentially going to be almost a guaranteed income as some people have lobbied for. I know that, you know, on this station, we've heard lots of interviews where people have lobbied for the guaranteed annual income question that this person raised leading into labor day is, do we want labor day to be celebrated or do we want guaranteed annual income day? Is, is it, do we, do we hold still value in labor or just in the fact that we have the money and we can then do with it what we
2: want? <laughs> That's interesting. Um, I think maybe, maybe we can celebrate both. How's that for a ride in the fence kind of response? Um, you know, I know that there's this, this idea out there that people who would draw a guaranteed income or nothing but bums and lazy and they can't, they won't work and so on and so forth. But that just is not the truth. The truth is, you know, corporate Canada, corporate America have choked off a lot of the opportunities to do things. Now I'll grant you that, that we also live in a society. There's two sides of this, a society where people don't want to do certain kinds of jobs because they're icky or they feel they're beneath them or They're not keeping up with the Joneses enough. What will the neighbors think? That kind of thing. Um, But there's an awful lot of disenfranchised people that just simply uh, cannot find a position because there isn't really a position for them to have. I think there are more people than there are jobs uh, out there in in general. So I don't think... Well, well,
0: well, let me jump in for a sec because I I would argue that point on one thing. I, I, I would argue that there perhaps are more people than high paying lucrative jobs, but I've been hearing, and you've probably been hearing it too over the last little while that because of CERB, for example, which I'm not disagreeing with the general concept of CERB to keep people afloat. I think it was a necessary thing, but because of that, and because of now these new EI rules, companies that are, that have minimum wage jobs, they are not high skilled things. They're just, they can't find people to fill those. And right. that's kind of what I'm talking about here is, okay. you know, do we want to essentially eliminate the minimum wage job? The I mean, I don't want to throw out a company name or anything, That but, you know, we know the stereotype of what that is and say, you know what, that, there's no value in that anymore. If you don't love your job, if you don't love going to work every day, you don't. And, and, and see to me that's that's not a healthy thing I, I think there is value in working for what you have and for most, working I, to put food on
2: your table if you most, can i think most people i think most people most human beings that live in a north American society share generally your point of view that they're that they they are they feel better about themselves they are are prouder when they can get up and go to a job and have employment i think i think that's uh, of, of, of almost a certainty. I think that's just uh, the nature of of North American uh culture. But here's the thing. It isn't. Well, that hold simple.
0: hold the thing. Hold on to the thing.
1: You're listening to the Scott Radley show podcast on 900 CHML.
0: Talking about this weekend, it's Labor Day weekend. Will we in the future celebrate Labor Day weekend or will we celebrate guaranteed annual income weekend? Right before the break
2: he said He has the point. Jamie, take it away. Well, the point is usually on top of my head. But in this case, I might actually have one, at least a point uh, for further debate. And it's it's this. So we were talking before the break about people, you know, whether people had, uh, you know, were willing to take any kind of job to, a Mick job, we'll call it, to to, to go out and earn a living and, and, and that kind of thing. And would they rather just sit at home and collect a minimum, you know, amount of money? And the CERB has certainly, you know, brought a little bit of that forward uh, for gig workers, uh, some restaurant workers. Some restaurant workers were saying, "I'm, I'm not going back. I make more money on the CERB. Okay, well, that's that's a glitch. That's a wrinkle that has to be sorted out. I, I guarantee, uh, or I, I, I absolutely feel that that's something that has to be addressed. But nothing is. Really, as simple as saying people don't want to work, they're lazy blah ba blah ba ba ba, you know a lot of people who are on the fringes have a lot of complications in their lives. They have children to uh to raise uh that have to be cared for. what do you do do you stay do you stay home and care for them? do you put them in an unlicensed daycare? do you put them in a licensed daycare that all costs money um, you know what is what exactly is there? their situation are they involved in are they victims of uh, domestic abuse i mean these are sort of extreme examples but look at we live in a we live in a society with for example a very high uh, divorce rate or a very high separation rate uh families split up um and and going in separate directions and that causes complications where employment and support and everything is concerned it's it's a bit of a muddy sort of field we're getting into I absolutely it is yeah, I would love it if it were as simple as saying, um, if you don't want to work, you're just a, a lazy bum, but it's not. It is. Here,
0: here's, Jamie, I've always thought this, or at least for a long time, I've thought this. And um, I, I think everybody can do something. All right. I think everyone can contribute in some way. I think there is, vi- well, not a, no, almost everybody can do something. Now, granted, some of those jobs or some of those abilities that people might have to contribute, based on their circumstance, may not be high paying. They may be very low paying. I've always been thinking to myself, okay, if if we set a bar of what people should be making, let, and let's say I don't know what the number, let's just for this is probably too low, but let's say twenty five thousand dollars. All right, let's just for for a round number, and we okay. then put something in place that said, you know what, you've got to go out and contribute in some way. And whatever money you don't make, whatever however much you come short of that amount, we guarantee you, we will top up the difference. But that way you then, almost everybody, unless you have some horrible disability, or as you say, something where you can point out that because of a domestic thing, you couldn't work or whatever. Most people, you could go take those minimum wage jobs and you're still going to make enough to get by, but you're doing something. And I've never understood the idea if you're able-bodied of not working. And I know that's not everybody, but I think if we just, if we set that number, we could say, look, we can, we can have almost everybody contribute. But I think, but I think
2: those, those people, I think the problem with that, that's, that all sounds great in theory, but, but I think the problem with that is that there aren't enough, uh, that the people that want to sit back, the people that really don't want to work. The people that want to, um, you know, game the system, they're so, they're, they're, they're few and far between. They're not, they don't represent the majority. We see or hear about one case, and we extrapolate it to think that the, everybody is like that. But there have been lots and lots and lots of, of social research studies done that show that that isn't the case, and, and show, quite frankly, that if you, for example, invest let's call it an investment, uh, a, a minimum uh, income, and you house people, they become the productive tax-paying economic drivers that guys like you and others want to have going, and me, want to have going, uh, going on. And they, they, they regain, uh, they regain a, you know, a productive life, and they're able to support their children um, through that investment. Generally, think, I but generally on, I agree we with you. So much money away on so, much, uh, so many other things, but we still refuse to invest. And I'm going to stretch this and say, why do we refuse to invest in children? Because most of the people that y- you know that you're talking about in theory have kids attached to them. Well, invest in the in the in the living conditions of the children and watch what happens. Watch how much that pays you back. That's what I'm Ge- going to say. i sound like a and I That's am okay. Saying,
0: well, generally, I agree with a lot of what you say. But when we saw the SERB program roll out, and you then see, hear enough stories of people saying, "Look, you know what? It it was. I'll take it. I'll take that it." it was too and, easy. Yeah. And so, I generally would take the point that you say that everybody wants to work and be productive, and I think deep down, most people really do want that. But I've, I heard enough stories through this Serb thing. Many people who took it had to take it. That's not the point. As I say, I, I, right, I generally right. am supportive of it, but I heard enough people saying, hey, look, like I, I've talked on the air before. My son could have taken it. Instead, he went and worked in a nursery, which was not his area of expertise or something he necessarily right. loved. But he said, I wanted to do something because I could. And I, I applauded I, that, absolutely. but I, there were a lot of people who didn't.
2: Right. Well, and how many, we don't know. But but look at that. You know, if we want to just talk about the CERB for a second. Yeah, look, um, that was a a gigantic uh, political move as much as it was a, some people would argue, a necessary move to just open up the vault and dump tons of money into the street at that moment. Seemed like the right thing to do. I guess we'll see. Um, But at that moment, that was what the government decided to do. And I I still think that some form of that was the right thing to do and, and they had to they had to act quickly. Did they you know, time will tell whether that program served its purpose or was rolled out correctly or whatever. Time is going to tell.
1: You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on nine hundred CHML.
2: Jamie West
0: joins us on what we like to call the brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio on a Friday evening. Jamie, of course, host of "What Were You Thinking?" Saturday mornings at ten a.m. I'm still trying to do the Kramer thing with these pretzels. Are making me thirsty? I can't still figure out how I'm supposed to enunciate your show's name. How do you do it?
2: It doesn't matter because I'm changing the name of the show soon. What were you thinking? I what was I thinking? Um, you know, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm going to call it the Jamie West show going forward because that's what people are calling it anyway. Um, the question of what were you thinking is almost getting overused these days since the COVID thing hit. So, you know, we're making a few changes. We're, we're fine tuning a few things. Uh, I'm
0: going to have a hard time figuring out how to enunciate the new one, the Jamie West show, (laughs) the Jamie West show, the Jamie West show. Yeah. I don't know. The The Jamie West show
2: and let me get know. a and, and let me get a quick plug in for what we're doing tomorrow morning because as i many times uh you know when i've come on your show i've made made people understand that we normally in the past have taped the show on Thursdays and then run it on Saturdays but ever since covid hit you know we started out doing the show live in my car i was doing it in my car on uh saturday mornings and with the way the world is these days I just made the decision that we have to do the show live uh, all the time. So like you and a lot of broadcasters, I've got to set up at home now to to be able to broadcast. That's one great thing that's come as a result of of, of COVID in in our world. So now I'm doing the show live from my home every Saturday morning at 10, which allows me to stay fully uh, up to date on a lot of things that are going on in the world. And, and if people want to call in, they can call in, they don't have to, but, phone lines are open, that kind of thing. And uh, and uh, just a quick plug, tomorrow morning I got Peter Edwards on with me, uh, the crime writer with the Toronto Star, mm-hmm. uh, talking about the reorganization of organized crime. So that's going to be a great conversation uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, he's our exclusive guest tomorrow morning on the, on the show at 10. There you go. Have there I you go. Tune in for that program? one. Uh, two things that you just said
0: there that I want to comment on. First, when you said they don't have to call in, I think the only place that is the case is on Kim Jong-un's show in North Korea where they, people have to call in. Um, And the other thing is you said that you you used to do it in your car. And I do remember either you being on my show or me being on your show and challenging you once upon a time to see if you could do the show by visiting all the, we'll call them boroughs of the city of Hamilton by going from Dundas to Ancaster to Flamborough to Stony Creek. You did, you made it to all of them in one show.
2: Yeah, I did it. To, I think I was on with you on the Friday night on your show, and you you gave me the challenge. And the next day, uh, I did it. And uh, I think I had about eight or nine minutes to spare in the program. So, but you got to remember that was in the days when lockdown was really tight at the start, and there was virtually no traffic. So, but I pulled it off. You give me a challenge, Mister Radley. I'm up for it
0: that is uh that is that is cool the only radio live radio show ever done from all parts of hamilton <laughs> in one hour that is uh that is pretty good that's uh, i'm fun. impressed Thanks. uh speaking of traveling it's a nice segue speaking of traveling we heard today that swoop airline is pulling a number of its flights out of hamilton now hamilton international airport john c monroe international airport is a raging success with cargo. It's one of the busiest cargo airports in the country, at least it has been during COVID. It's done exceptionally well. But Jamie, it seems like every time we get passenger traction here, it doesn't last all that long. And the next thing we know, we're hearing stories that the passenger operation is not going to be sticking around in Hamilton. We've seen this with a number of different carriers you can either answer the question of why or maybe more to the point, do we want Hamilton to be a major passenger airport or are we happy with it not being that and keeping the area quiet without as much traffic and without as much people?
2: So a couple of things. that that The, the issue about whether it will become a major passenger airport will be borne out in the future, whatever that is, because all of the... All of the population that's being squeezed out of the GTA is coming this way anyway, so that that will be determined in due time. The other question that you raised about why don't these passenger airlines hang in and make it, it seems, they come and they go. There's a couple of things uh, there. Um, Most of them are crap, that's why. They have crappy service, they have uh, crappy schedules, crappy destinations, if it isn't a... If it's not a, a charter company, you know, running to a sun location or to Vegas or something, there's it's it's a complete, complete waste of time because they they you this you know the Hamilton Spectator and 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 chorus radio are just rife with stories about what how horrible horrible swoop was in terms of its service. I mean, li- real horror stories. Same thing went for. Oh, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Fly Globespan was another one that uh, was offering flights way back when overseas to, uh, where were they flying into? Liverpool or somewhere in Ireland. Um, just terrible, terrible uh, service and, and inability to uh, deliver on the contract for the clients. And as soon as, as soon as that gets out to people, The first thing that happens is you cut your market right down to probably 20% of what it could be because most people don't want to take a chance that the plane's not going to take off or there's going to be problems or the schedule's going to get changed at the last minute. They want a guarantee or or as close to it as can be. And so that's why they'll go to Toronto or even London.
1: You're listening to The Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
0: Jamie West joining me this Friday evening of a long weekend as we well as we bring us in for a landing into the long weekend which is just such a cliche sad pathetic effort on my part to make a metaphor that drives us back into our topic of Hamilton's Airport. I'm sorry Jamie, I I, I apologize for such horrendous radio segues. Um nonetheless, yeah, we're should. talking about we're talking about Hamilton's Airport. Now, Swoop Airline is a number of its flights are going to be not flying out of Hamilton anymore. We learned that today. And this is not Good. the first time that we've lost this. The, the thing, and you make a point about, you know, whether people are confident with the quality of this or not. The reality is that every single one, I think, of the of the airlines, I think, I, I, I can be corrected on this for sure, but they were always designed, all of them, to be low cost low carrier kind of flights people this is this was something that was supposed to be low cost and super convenient so whether people had issues with it or not they kind of knew what they were buying yeah. and yet they yeah. still seem to have grown weary or something
2: no no it's down to uh, I don't buy that at all it's down to it's down to the failure of the carriers to to come through on a consistent basis and and um, provide the the value, whatever it is, whatever it was bargained for, um, properly. And the word gets around fast. In fact, uh, you know, bad news travels ten times as fast as good news does. And and it I t- it's down right down to that. I mean, some of the stories about uh, poop, I mean, Swoop Airlines were were just uh, horrendous uh, about uh people being uh, stranded, not getting service—just, um, just awful stuff. I mean, th- those things. Some of those things happen on, on, on regular scheduled airline flights too. Out of Toronto, look at everybody's probably got a, an airline story to tell. But everyone, um, yep. You know when you're it, agreed that you know when you're buying a ticket on a discount airline, yeah, you don't expect. Uh, You don't expect pillows and blankets and snacks and all that kind of thing, but you do expect the plane to be mechanically uh, sound uh, when it's when it get when when you're getting on and not finding out when you're on the plane that there's something wrong with it. Obviously, it's a good thing you find out before it takes off. That's true. Wrong, but here's the thing: they they know they know usually uh, what the difficulties are, and um, and they just make customers suffer anyway, uh, because they don't want to do the right thing, which is to say, we've screwed up the schedule, we've screwed, we sent the wrong plane, we screwed something up, there's no accountability, no responsibility, now here's your money back, and we're very sorry. That's that's the biggest problem with airlines, is they just won't own their crap, and whether it's a discount carrier in, in, in Hamilton or wherever, or it's uh, Air Canada or one of the other, or WestJet or whoever, um, they just there just is no accountability. And if there was, the Feds wouldn't have had to um, take it on as a political issue and create a namby-pamby, what do they call it, passenger bill of rights or whatever, something that is probably feckless and toothless if anybody's ever try to get any satisfaction that way. I don't know what it is about these businesses and why they're allowed to get away with, with what they're allowed to get away with. It just, uh, it's a mystery to me.
0: The, the shame to me about this is that I've flown in and out of Hamilton, I think twice. Um, and me too. both times it's been, tremendously convenient experience. And you're like, man, how is this not working? How is this not? And again, not as a car, as a cargo airport, it's one of the busiest in Canada. Uh, Certainly it has been through COVID and you go, okay, clearly the place can operate And clearly it's really convenient to get in, get down, get out. Now that may, that could potentially get a lot less convenient if you suddenly had 10 times the number of flights. I don't know, but it just, it's, it stuns me that somehow having had my experiences with the convenience of it, that this has not really caught traction and become a bigger and bigger thing. I, and and it's, it's your point may be right, but it just, it's hard for me to understand knowing the inconveniences of so many airports that if you have one that you can move through quickly and that's, you know, it's not flashy, but it you can do it conveniently, man, I, I always thought that was going to work. And it just, it seems to have such a struggle.
2: Yeah. And I think that there's, I also think there's something else in the backs of the minds of, of people. They think, um, you know, a lot of us fly charters, but for people that, that fly regularly in and out of the United States, for example, um, or or to other parts of Canada, you go to a, an airport like Toronto you, you know there's there's a, a a ton of flights a day to the location that maybe you're going to and so and back and so you 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 know that if something goes a little off the rails that there's going to be another flight maybe an hour yep. Or, yep. or so yep. later right so so you've got lots of opportunities to make up for whatever might happen whereas you know in Hamilton it's a one shot deal you better hope it works and if it doesn't it's, it's a nightmare. And what have you saved? 300 bucks total. You know, like that's. Well,
0: that's if it works, that's great. If it works, you save money and it's convenient. And you're right. If it doesn't, then, uh. You're screwed. issue.
1: You're listening to the Scott Radley show podcast on 900 CHML.
0: Jamie West host of what were you thinking soon to become the Jamie West show. All caps. All caps. Exclamation mark underlined. That's the other way you should do it. Remember when the Ottawa Red Blacks came back, Jamie? And at first they told everybody the proper way, the only way to spell the name was all caps, which in social media terms, that means every time you say that team's name, you have to say the Ottawa Red Blacks,
2: which just, it
0: looked idiotic.
2: Anyway. Well, yeah, and you're, you've admitted at the top of the program tonight that you're a stickler for that those kinds of things involving words and letters. So it must have really bugged you. It it really did bug me. And it, what bug? Let me tell you something. What what bugged me about the whole thing was that they didn't come back and call them Rough Riders. And I don't care that there's Rough Riders out. Last, they should have been called the Ottawa Rough Riders. That's where the heritage was. But we won't get into that.
0: Well, Tony Gabriel might agree, but, um, we'll, uh, again, we'll, we'll dive down. I actually, I, I was actually talking to Tony this week and I've got a really? story I think that I'm going to be doing, cause there's a great little anecdotal story that I was reminded of this week. And, um, yeah, I was talking to Tony and, um, yeah, gonna, gonna write that next week. Um, yeah, th- no, that, that, that language thing, it does. It, and I'm not necessarily, I'm not on board with forcing a chicken company, as we get back into this, to rename their product, but I do—I drive along and see roadside billboards and things that have apostrophes in the wrong place that aren't supposed to be there, or things, and it makes me crazy. It makes me crazy. People who say, you know, who who spell stuff wrong on their advertising, like, come yeah, on, I- surely you can have a proofreader to get an, a, a spell checked for your advertisement.
2: Well, this is, but that's the thing. People don't, and they they rely on on uh, the same mistakes they've made in their phone, and they, it doesn't occur to them. They just don't think about it. And, well, we don't. See, uh, we don't
0: know how to spell. We don't know how to spell because we don't do it anymore.
2: Well, we don't we teach don't. kids how to spell anymore. Well, we? no,
0: no, we don't. And then we have social media, which you're intentionally not spelling, and then you have yeah. auto auto correct, which takes simple innocent words and turns them into horribly embarrassing messages that you're sending to people because all of a sudden autocorrect changes into something else completely and, um, you know, supposedly helping us, but I don't know.
2: Right. And we don't, and we don't teach kids cursive anymore either, which is outrageous. That's outrageous. That's an hour program all by itself. The reasons why we need to, don't you think, don't you think that's nuts? You know, what's
0: amazing about this is that, um, We have, have you ever watched PBS or you ever watched TLC or any of these, these shows that, and they'll have some sort of documentary on, uh, some Egyptologist who is trying to break down the hieroglyphics and what they mean in some newly discovered King's tomb in the Valley of the Kings. And I'm thinking to myself In 25 years, that's going to be anybody having to read cursive. We're going to have specialists, people. And we brought in Bob, who knows how to read (laughs) cursive from 1984. And he read the note that was found under the ground. It's like, this is not that difficult. What Duke? I mean, my, my kids, I think, can write in cursive. They're... Twenty six and twenty to twenty five and twenty two, yeah, so they're no, they
2: not. They made the cut. They, made the, they cut. made
0: the cut, but what do you do if? How do you write if you don't? I mean, how do you write even notes to yourself if you don't know how to exactly. do cursive? You just print it.
2: Both of both of my daughters, um, they they'll leave. You know, they'll they'll write notes to me, but they they don't use cursive. They print, and their printing is as horrible as my you know handwriting or, or hand always was, but. My cursive was okay um, and and thank God because I could communicate with people and it's important to have that down It's important to be able to take a pen or a pencil or a piece of charcoal in hand and write something, write a note, communicate it's nuts, absolutely nuts to not teach all simple, steady forms of of communication I mean, did people back in the day argue that you know, I don't think they had organized education when they were chipping away on stone tablets, so it probably wasn't an issue. Hey, right? you know, we should be teaching these kids how to bang away on these stone tablets. Um, you know, that's the way we did it in our day. No. Come on. Like, this is I, just... point
0: to two, I point to two causes, two reasons why we, teach, we do not teach cursive anymore. One of them is physicians' prescription reports, which showed you don't need it, and two is everybody signing a check when you no longer mm-hmm. even pretend and you just do a line and it's like well they're not going to check they're not going to look and see if I really signed that we've we've done it to ourselves we but have we have nonetheless right. it is it is to me it is ridiculous i'm with you it it seems like there are certain We've had this discussion on the show about, you know, what is not taught in schools now and whether you need to teach basic math or these basic concepts. I think we, I really believe we lose some things when you can't do basic math and you rely only on the calculator on your phone, when you don't know how to look something up in a book because you can just do it on Google and when you don't know how to write.
2: You can't think on your feet. It teaches you how to think on your feet. And, 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 And back to cursive for a second, another thing I thought of is, is how uh, the failure to teach uh, human beings cursive also drives yet another wedge uh, between human connection. Because how many times in, in our lives uh, are we able to connect with, have we been able to connect with people uh, via cursive language? And what I mean by that is you will have people uh, say, like people nowadays, if they get a handwritten note or a handwritten letter from somebody, it's like a beat. it's like gold to them. Oh, this is so nice and and look how lovely their handwriting is or look at the personality that's revealed in the handwriting. That's part of human connection.
0: That's human an interesting point. That's an interesting point because we We, well, we pay top dollar collectors do for autographs, but yes, there is something we, we look at old transcripts, old things at the people's handwriting. Look at, for example, and it's an American example, but the Declaration of Independence. Sure. How would that have even been written today by people coming along who can't do cursive? I mean, it would have always, of course, it would have been typed out in a giant 5,000 page legal document instead of being beautifully done or whatever. But no, I, I'm, I with and, and my question, your daughters can't do cursive because they haven't been taught it. Can they read cursive?
2: I think they can, but it's, uh, but it's like everything else. The, the, the less exposure you have to it, the more. Difficult it is. So somebody at the age of, and I'm not saying this is the case with my with my daughter, but somebody at the age of say 11 or 12, um, reading a, a cursive written greeting card or a letter from a relative or something, you know, they're taking twice as long as it would normally take uh, at their age to read it because they don't know it. It's it's unfamiliar. It's uh, it's tricky to navigate, and it shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't be like that, and yeah, it, it, to me, it's just another one of those wedge driving things where it, it it forces us to to disconnect from each other's personalities and personas, and and that's not a good thing for the human condition, in my opinion.
0: Well, and, and not only that, but I mean, look, every single crime that you ever see on Dateline or Twenty Twenty or many right. of them anyway are broken down by handwriting analysts. So now crime is going to run rampant, all because we can't solve it because there's no cursive instruction.
2: It certainly helps them,
0: doesn't it? <laughs> um, let me ask you something that I saw today. Speaking of things that m- may be a little bit nuts, Dr. Teresa Tam, who um, we, we have grown to um, know over the last I'm, number of months, I know this, week, this. this week came out with an not an edict, but a strong <laughs> piece of advice that says, if you and your partner decide you're going to get all boom chicka wow wow and you strip down to the skivvies and you're getting on wear a mask please and i'm thinking to myself jamie is this really something that our chief doctor should be advising because there is zero percent chance anybody is doing this right
2: okay so a couple of things number one i i shared that article on on my social media feed um and and just went well dot 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 and and uh, but look let's let's be let's let's be accurate here. She wasn't really talking about people who are in regular uh, sexual contact. She was talking about people who have who may have dating intimacy or have met new people. And she's saying, you know, under the circumstances. It would be a very good idea uh, if you're new to one another to consider wearing a mask. I mean, Scott, there are people that every Friday night pull out various masks and wear
0: them. Yeah, if you're a furry, if you're if you're a furry, this might be something you're really into. But I don't know. That's there you go. I don't know. Thank you, Ben. That's some appropriate music to get us in the mood. Yeah, I I don't know that uh, if you were a furry that you wouldn't be really into Uh. this kind of thing. Different kind of mask, though. But no, I, 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 Jamie, I get the, okay, I get the point. If this is a casual thing. But once again, if this is a casual thing, maybe you got bigger worries about things you're passing around than this. I I don't know. I don't know. It seems like a bit of a waste of of time because I just, I can't see anybody saying, oh, nice to meet you. We're going to go back to my place and do it. uh, But make sure you bring your mask.
2: Well, I think I, you know what I tend to agree that it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a stretch and a bit of a waste of time for that very busy, uh, highly paid individual to be putting out an edict like that when there are so many other messages that need to be beaten into the heads of people around COVID on a steady basis. I mean the the, the information and the data that's coming in literally minute to minute to minute that has to be disseminated and then, you know, formulated into, uh, you know, responsible messaging for the population, which is her job. This, this, uh, this other thing, if you don't, if you're stupid enough to uh, hook up randomly with people, you know, if you don't care about all the other things, all the other STDs, which a lot of people don't, then you're not going to give a, you know, what about COVID?
0: That's right. kind of my thought here is that I'm more worried about you putting a mask over the other parts. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's nuts. It's, it's a little, it's a little nutty. It makes me think, um, you know, uh, do you need something to do because it sure looks like you need something to do when you're, when you're putting stuff out like that. But no doubt this was born, Somewhere around the water cooler at at the government office in Ottawa, where her office is, and somebody said it, and then she thought, "Oh, okay." Or maybe she didn't even think it. Maybe one of the, you know, minions thought thought of it and ran it by her, and she thought, "Yeah, okay, I'll put this out." Um, But
0: doesn't it, Jamie? Doesn't this kind of thing? and, And maybe some people are saying, "No, this is brilliant. I'm really glad she did." To me, this is the kind of thing that makes a joke and makes a mockery of what she says so that it becomes not s- something that's very serious that people just start laughing and giggling about it and rather than looking at this as a serious issue to me
2: yeah i i don't disagree with that i think it's uh i think it's a it's a bit silly uh at a time when there's nothing silly about uh, this pandemic and and what's going on with it and especially as we start to head into uh what is quite likely to be a very, very tough second go. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, that remains to be seen, but if the numbers are any indicator and what else do you follow, it's already not looking very good. So anyway. Well, let me
0: just let me throw one other thing here. I would have thought that Dr. Tam might have had a cautionary tale provided to her because the chief medical officer in BC a number of months ago became the butt of every single joke of every late night comedian when he suggested that the safest thing was to somehow be involved with random sexual encounters through holes in the wall <laughs> which I'm not making yeah. this up and it's like really okay y- you I don't think you're being helpful here well, I you know, I, you what
2: know I, into. <laughs> well,
0: I don't think you're being so now you've turned this serious medical issue into a giant farce Uh, Teresa Tan probably should have just stayed well clear of this one. I think I, there's no, there's no good way to do this one. I don't think if you look, if you can't figure out that after all the time we've been talking about masks, that being face to face with someone, you don't know, you should wear a mask no matter what it is. Then I don't think we need to be too specific about it.
2: I feel kind of, but I'm going to tell you, I feel kind of sorry for her because I, in a way, because I know that these, um, that these physicians, these these experts, these scientists get uh, tugged and pulled all over the place uh, by handlers behind the scenes who do and plan all the communications work. These so-called communications professionals who oftentimes are anything but. And you know what I'm talking about as a as a, a journalist. Um, there's there's way too many flacks and spinners and and handlers. And they're all...
0: Are you trying to use every euphemism you can at this
2: point? <laughs> I am. I, I've been working. I down to that one thing we talked about at the beginning of the show. You know, uh, so, but there's too many, of them, too many of them out there. And because there's politics involved, you end up with things like this. And I'll bet you she's sitting at home tonight going, oh man, I wish I hadn't agreed to go along with that thing. But She's a, she's a doctor and a scientist and, and not a, not a spin doctor, you know? So don't get me started. I think you already did though. Uh, Well,
0: uh, so just take advice. If you're out there tonight on the town and you decide you're going to randomly hook up with someone, be sure you're wearing a mask because that seems to be the biggest piece of advice we can offer. Right. Over all
2: your parts, over everything. That's a, that'll be fun too and attractive. Uh <laughs> just
0: dunk yourself in a bowl of rubbing alcohol before and after and I suppose you might be okay. Who knows? I'm I, not really sure.
2: I just don't know why I just don't know why we I don't know where common sense That's is. there is
0: none. Jamie, if they have to announce this, it clearly means that nobody has common sense or at least that's the belief. That's well, that's a good that's that's what it comes down to. If we have well, to say this, it means that they believe we're idiots and probably some people are.
2: Yeah. But that, that uh, it's also strong evidence that the nanny state is is uh, alive and well and growing quickly. When when Mommy Tam has to come out and and make a statement like that, I mean, you know, that's that's a that's a bad sign. But I see but I see it every single day. I, it depresses me to see how people. Uh, fail to use common sense over and over and over again. I saw it. I'll give you one quick example. I don't know if we're clo- close to a break here, but I'll give you one qu- quick example of that that I saw. I was, I was actually down. I took my kids yesterday to Hutch's on the beach, one of our great sponsors and nice. uh, a great, you know, Hamilton place uh, that you go uh, all year round, but in the summer particularly. And I'm, and I'm down there picking up my kids food and and uh, I'm doing, following the rules that they've established, and they're doing a great job with managing the restaurant with the COVID thing. But I'm, as I'm standing there, a woman, uh, two adults, two, two adult females and, and two children walk right up to the uh, attendant uh, at the front door without masks on, um, not socially distancing from the other people that are there. You know, we all had masks on, so that's, that's fine. But they, they said, you know, we'd like to come in and use the facilities. And the woman says, well, you can, but you don't have any masks. And the, the adults made it out to seem like they were being somehow ostracized or, or put out because they would yeah. have to wear, wear a mask. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, the, the basic common sense of it all, like awareness, situational awareness. Awareness of other people uh, where you are. And it, this doesn't just apply to a COVID world. This existed before COVID. Like, people Yeah, are it's, it's so exacerbated
0: because it's obvious. It's exacerbated because it's very obvious now. There's a yeah. very obvious thing that we can see. I don't know in normal times, I don't know if you've got a cold or if you've got something else, but now I can very clearly see if you're going to wear a mask. And look, whether you, here's the thing, Jamie, is whether or not you believe masks are really helpful or not, at this point, who cares? I mean, it's not like you were it, wear the damn I, mask. It, it's, it's not that difficult. I And, and here we got to go to a break. The other thing about this whole Teresa Tam and everything else, I, I don't like to even admit this, but if you're dumb enough to hook up with someone and then you don't know and then do your thing and you're spreading germs or whatever now with this going around and you end up with COVID, I, I'm having a hard time feeling real sorry for you. I'm sorry, I I you know, I I, I want too. to be sympathetic, but I'm having a hard time drumming up a lot of sympathy.
2: In fact, I can't drum any
0: up. I'm with you. Jamie West, thank you for participating and and really holding up the end of making this the brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio. It's good to have someone who 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 kept their who kept their end up as well as you did, which probably is another euphemism for what we were just talking about. I'm not sure. <laughs> Thanks for doing this.
1: You're
2: welcome.
0: Uh, 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. What were you thinking? Soon to be known as The Jamie West Show. You can find it there. Tune in at 900 CHML tomorrow morning at 10.
1: The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML.